0: You are listening to the Tour des Flaneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage four, today we are in Fougère.
1: I hope a more easy day. Before the time trial tomorrow, and uh, I also hope a victory for Mark.
2: Well, we heard there at the start of tonight's episode from Julien Alaphilippe, who was resplendent in the green jersey. But tonight, the green jersey is on the shoulders of his teammate, Mark Cavendish, because as he said this morning, Today was all about trying to help Mark Cavendish win the stage. Ala Philippe played his part, despite having his own goals in this race, and that's the story of the day, isn't it? It's a happier story than last night. is um, Richard Moore, I'm with Francois Tomazo. Hi there. And Kate Wagner. Hello. Well, what did we make of that then, Francois? He's back. Yeah. Just I, when w- you thought it was w- safe to
3: go in the press room, <laughs> there, there he is. Yeah, no, no. What what I wanted to say that you know, I mean. Every year we say, you know, uh, uh, Christian Prudhomme has designed the Tour de France for this and this and this and this. But I mean, if, if he really, I, I don't think Christian Prudhomme would have dared write the script of the four full- the first four stages of the Tour de France, the way the way it ended up. I mean, you couldn't have anything as um, amazing as the start of the Tour de France. Dalla Philippe winning the first, day, Matthew Van Der Poel avenging in Polydor in the second, then crashes and controversy in the in the third, and then Mark Cavendish coming back from not nowhere, but I mean, we we knew we know where where it, where you know he came from and what's happened to him in the last couple of years with the ether, uh, mononucleosis or whatever it's called. This the, 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 the epstar. Um, Epstein, Epstein bar. bar syndrome, and then probably depression, and and you know suddenly revive. I mean, you 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 can't. This, this is the sort of thing. If you if you're if you're a script writer, you 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 don't. I mean, you can't do that. It's too much. You know, it, it's so much too too soon. But but we, we but here we are. You know, we, every day an absolutely amazing story. And this one, the story of you know uh, go you know reaching the top, well decline and fall and recovery is is, is is simply amazing I you know I, I'm kind of lost for words because we, we've said lots of, of things over the years on on Mark Cavendish we we knew his talent we knew his t- temperament we maybe we didn't expect him to 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 have this you know uh, sprinters are kind kind of you know bursting t- towards the speed into the line they have their sheer strength and speed and lasting power is, is not something you you uh you you know you kind of coordinate with the with the with the sprinter and and Mark Cavendish showed you know over the the, the last five years that, that that he had he had patience he had he had you know he had the the the, the need the the, the the craving for more and uh, well Ch- chateau as some am because we, we we were in Fougere, we surrounded <laughs> we by chateau. Chateau. chateau but yeah. the, he
2: always had belief and you know he he not not he, and he said tonight in the press conference he said a lot of interesting things but. Um, he talked about being emotional, but also logical. And he said in an interview with Daniel Freib, I think it was last year in the podcast, that he always believed, he's always believed that if he was fit and healthy, he could beat anyone in the world. And the problem he's had the last years is he's not been fit and healthy. It's he's ne- he's taken him a long time to get over his illness. Rod Ellingworth, who who, who hired him for Bahrain uh, McLaren last year, said the same, that he was convinced that a fit and healthy Cam just could win again. It's taken a bit longer and uh, yeah I mean as you say Francois a sprinter's powers do wane perhaps quicker the ageing process is crueler on sprinters perhaps normally that explosivity goes but I was struck watching the, the finish today by the, the power of Cavendish the strength of Cavendish uh, the fact that he beat you know some some of the best sprinters mm. in the world and Nasser Buhani. I'm uh,
3: only jo- <laughs> I'm only joking I'm only joking yeah and once again it says velocity of all you know that, that that's it's not sheer power it is something Caleb you uh, as the same type of you know really velocity it's, it's a more than strength or power yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of a, the, 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 this ability to go fast uh, which 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 is kind of a mystery. And, know, skill. In the way. and yeah. skill. Do you like sprinters, Kate? Let, well let, Can I do the tale of the attack first?
2: We're going to talk about Cavendish in the first part. We've got a lot of writers to hear from as well tonight. We're going to hear from Michael Morkov, Tim De Clark, Cavendish's teammates. are going to hear again from Julian Alaphilippe looking ahead to the time trial tomorrow. We're going to hear about from Cedric Vasseur about the controversy yesterday around the crash. The former head of the CPA, Vasseur now runs the Cofidis team. And we're going to hear from Mitch Docker, who has uh, sent us in a a message um responding to s- to our episode last night and with his own thoughts on on why there have been so many terrible crashes in this in this race um so Stage Redon to Fougere, 150 kilometers. One non-starter, Caleb Ewan, as we expected uh, after his terrible crash at the finish yesterday. But Ewan's teammate, Brent Van Moor, uh, he had, was the first rider to attack at 10 kilometers after a a, a rider protest um, that was, well, they stopped for a while on the road. Andrew Greipel seemed to be the um, the, the, the kind of, what do they call them? the... The, the modern day Fabian Cancellara, Bernardino, the patron, and um, he was he was uh, dictating things, and and they made their point that you know the riders need to be respected and safety needs to be perhaps higher up on the agenda because. There were many factors that went into the crashes yesterday, but the the run in um, and particularly uh, the, the roads in the last five kilometres were perhaps a factor too. Uh, Pierre Luc Perichon of Cofidis um, went with uh, Van Moor. Van More, of course, a stage winner at the Dauphine um, with a very impressive performance there um, that prompted Thomas. De Gendt, his teammate, to say that he was the new Thomas De Gendt, and we'll hear from De Gendt a bit later on with some fascinating stuff on Van Moor Anyway, they never got much of a lead um, only 250, that was the maximum, De Koenig, step, Alpeson Fenix and Groupama, FTG controlling things at the front, um, keeping them pretty close. Van Moor outsprinted sprinted Perchon for the intermediate sprint in Vitre and um, at that point the peloton just over a minute behind but Van Moor wanted to go alone and uh, he attacked with 14 kilometers to go. Uh, didn't look like he had much of a chance at all. He had a minute um, as they went under 10 kilometers to go all under control. One rider on his own with a minute lead 10 kilometers to go no problem at all for the peloton. But that was not the case at all. And Van Moor rode incredibly strongly. Although, as we'll hear from De Gent, there was perhaps more to it than just strength. Um, he looked like he was going to do it for a while. I mean, it was extraordinary to watch. Um, he was... Eventually caught with 150 metres to go. Alps and Fenix had been excellent. They were going for their third stage win in a row. Um, this time, Tim Merlier was the lead-out man. He was the w- winner yesterday, but he turned lead-out man today for Jasper Philipson. Cavendish had been dropped off by Michael Morkov on the wheels of uh, Jasper Stuyven and Mads Pedersen. And we'll hear Morkov explain why a bit later on. He emerged. He'd won here in 2015, also in Quick-Step Colours in Fougere same finish, just a, a, a sort of gentle turn to the right, we saw Cavendish win in almost identical fashion with a victory salute that was almost exactly the same as 2015 as well. Buhani f- followed Cavendish through to claim a very a very impressive second. I didn't mean what I said earlier uh, on at all. Um, in order to win, Cavendish had to sort of duck and weave between De More and Case Ball. I mean, De More, when he was caught he was, was like a bollard with 150 metres to go a, quite a, a dangerous kind of static object in the road almost and Cavendish just did well to, um, to just squeeze around him and came through very strongly to win the stage ahead of Buhani Philipson Michael Matthews Peter Sagan and Case Ball he takes the green jersey no change in the GC
0: The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by SuperSapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to SuperSapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success.
4: If you've bonked in your life, that's hypoglycemia. At Team Novo Nordisk, right? I've got athletes with diabetes. In the 2019 Tour of California, you know, a world tour stage race, seven days. How many hundreds of kilometers? We we went the entire race without one single moment in time uh, below 72. So not a single moment in time for type one diabetics to be hypoglycemic in seven days because we had access to this technology. And to think, if we can prevent hypoglycemia in athletes with diabetes, then we sure as hell can prevent hypoglycemia in athletes without diabetes just by giving access to what's going on inside the body you know we're committed to the sport for the long term and chris broom sent me a screenshot of what he was saying on a rider committee with the president and um you know the riders are upset the teams are upset and and i think it's the the fans of the sport maybe the ones who could demand that let's give our give these athletes a chance to to fuel properly and give them a chance to be the best of themselves cuz it's the fans now who have the chance to see what really happens during activity. Let's help push this forward.
2: Thank you very much indeed to Super Sapiens, our title sponsor. Grateful to them for their support. Well, that was Phil Sutherland, founder and chief executive at Super Sapiens. Referencing the fact there that UCI has disallowed Super Sapiens in competition, um, but riders obviously still using it as a very effective training tool. Athletes like me, I should say, still using it as a very effective training tool. Um <laughs> no, no one laughs. Perfectly serious response to that. I like <laughs> it. Uh, well, it, Cavendish was a story today. It's a it's a happier story than than last night. But he's a curious mixture, isn't he, Cavendish? Of raw emotion, anger in in victory. He was very emotional. Uh, you know, embraced all his teammates, um, and uh, you know, lots of other riders happy for him as well. It's a great story. But in the press conference, he also there were a few a few barbs weren't there Um, and uh, he said in in his press conference to the, the written press that in the time since he won his last stage at the tour in 2016 maybe half the people in the press room hadn't even written a decent story and yet they were still here and I think his overwhelming feeling is one of relief that he's even here at all and also to enjoy, there was inevitably talk once again. This was his thirty-first Tour de France stage win. Talk again of you know him going for Eddie Merckx's record of thirty-four. He's always hated that. He's always hated that because his view has been is that a one Tour de France win is enough, and that it's very very difficult to win a stage of the tour, and each one should be celebrated. So he didn't like being asked about that again, did he?
3: yeah it's a little bit like Breton weather you know you you got everything uh, uh, in the same package and, and, and uh, over a day like he uh, uh, well, you, you talked to the press he talked to TV and, and you, you've you got the the nice guy you've got the emotional guy you've got the angry young man well he's not so young anymore 36 but I mean and, and you, you, you've you got the brattish uh, guy you've got the, 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 the adult you got the guy with respect for what the Tour de France is and his history and in the same time the guy looking forward is a very complex and and you know uh, um, yeah overall uh, character and and in many ways I find him likable, to be honest. I've been in press conferences where, uh, you know, asking him questions, and with with Cav, uh, uh one of his great specialties in the past was when, when there was a media scrum to speak as sl- slowly and, and quietly slowly and quietly as he could, so that the guys at the back you make know make our lives difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he likes to, to to do that. But but in in the end, yeah. You, you, you have to respect I mean the figures speak for themselves but uh, on top of that is, is an interesting uh, personality and um yeah, I mean the the the, the year when it was in fuji in, in twenty fifteen when 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 he again you know won won a stage after uh, some, you know some time without winning one already at the time it was a relief to see him back uh, in a way and uh, yeah I, I mean, mean
2: 20, I, I mean it's funny we won in twenty fifteen but twenty sixteen almost felt like a comeback didn't yeah, it yeah absolutely and then it's been another five years and I mean it, it just underlines his status as one of the greats to I think come back. And and beat this c- current generation. Not everybody's here, but I, I don't. I, I didn't see him doing it. I d- no, couldn't almost have neither. imagined. I, it I
3: think I think we 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 talked about it in the podcast in the past, and we we all said it was it, it was it was fading force. Yeah, yeah more, more than the fading force. Then it was you know probably faded, lost it, faded out.
2: But you know, he's definitely burst back into life, and and he could do it again. The, you know, Chateau, He won. It, he's won in Fougere before. He, his first ever stage when, was in Châteauroux, and uh, you know. Kate, I'll ask you about sprinters. Do you connect with sprinters?
5: I mean, definitely. I think just like the raw power of a sprint, the visceral nature of it is you can't help but get excited watching a sprint finish, especially a bunch sprint. I mean, a reduced sprint is is interesting too, but a bunch sprint is something else. I mean, you have to be extremely clever And extremely precise in every kind of movement that you do, because as we saw yesterday, I mean, it can just end in carnage completely, sometimes like unexpectedly. And it all it takes is one slip, one slip off. I mean, the sheer effort of concentration that's necessary to not only like execute a bunch sprint successfully, but to, to win one. I mean, just a finish requires just an incredible amount of spatial awareness. Uh, and it's fascinating, to. I think, actually, the most fascinating characters in the, the bunch sprint are the lead out men who used to usually be sprinters themselves because they have this very complex, very cerebral job of, of finding sort of like almost like snipers, you know, in the military. It's like they've got to find they have to have their line of sight. They have to deliver their uh, their payload. Uh, on time and in good condition and it's they have to kind of know like with you know murkow what he was saying it's like he knew that he had to depose Cavendish behind the Trek guys because he knew that they were a strong. So he has to have like a kind of roster of all of the guys, all of their qualities, what they're doing at any given time. I mean, it requires a remarkable amount of interpersonal and spatial awareness. And I think that's actually the most fascinating thing about a bunch sprint is not just like the electric energy of it and like the danger, but also it's a really mental part of the sport.
3: I mean it's, it's been said many times but it's it's even probably even truer uh, with the tension that there has been in the last th- in the last three or four days that the punch sprint is, is in a way the best way to release the tension like you know you have the tension accumulating that kind of pressure uh, you know kind of a boiler and at the end of the of the day the, the lid comes <laughs> comes off and 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 the lid today was <laughs> was Cavendish you know but no that has Cavendish I mean, it's, blew his top off yeah, yeah it's it's, be, it's been compared, you know I, I, you know. I, you know, I translated a book called uh, "The Writer and His Shadow," and 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 the the, the writer Olivier Aralambon com- compares it. It's easy in a way, but the way he does it is 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 really well done uh, to a climax. I mean, sexual, uh, almost ejaculation. You know, you 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 really have the impression that the uh, at the end of the day, the the the, 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 the peloton kinds of kind of comes, you know, uh, and 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 releases the one and only, uh, you know successful sperm uh, well I did I didn't say that it's what I meant
2: <laughs> well uh, let's uh, you know we're, we're just about off the watershed here and um, but no it, it, that and watch out for that book by the way that will yeah, be really coming that will be coming soon so to speak um it was but as you say Kate the mental agility of Michael Morkov today was remarkable we'll hear him talk about that in a moment or two but poisson pilot I love the way the French <laughs> call the lead-out man the Poisson Pilote. Um, and uh, he is the best in the business, isn't he? But there's so much to, more to his game, and we'll hear him talk about that now. Let's hear first from Tim DeClercq, the writer whose job comes much earlier in the day, of course. But he had a big job again today uh, to help Cavendish try and win. And then from Michael Murkov.
6: Before the before the season, I saw him on training, and I, I said, uh, I, "I'm sure he will he will win a race this year." Of, of course, he do one thing, and then you see him. Yeah, maybe he's not yet on the limit, so you you think maybe there's there's more and more possible. To be honest, this this amazes me as well a little bit. I, I had a lot of confidence in him that uh, that he could do it, but on the first sprint that he. Uh, that he could pull to, to pull it off is uh, really an amazing victory. I have to say Van Moor was uh, was really really strong. We put uh, quite a high, hard pace the whole day, but then in the final uh, the problem with with the modern day cycling is that all the GC teams want to be in front, and they, if it's not a really wide road they, they block the road and you cannot move. Like I, I tried to be there to, to stay at one point and then I I gave up because I'm not I'm not the best in. Uh, and all the hectic and uh, maybe I have two wide shoulders to move up uh, in the bunch. But yeah, the GC teams, they they don't care about the break. They just want to be safe for the GC. They don't care about chasing. So, uh, yeah, for them, if if the speed drops down, they just want to be in front. And that's why we were really, really scared that uh, Van uh, Van Moer makes it. But in the end, I think, uh, luckily, they they became a bigger road at uh, 8K to go that we could still catch him. Sadly for him, because it was a really great effort but uh, in the end I'm still happy we, we pulled them back.
7: It was a big dream obviously to, uh, to make a Cav win again in this Tour de France. I, I think nobody except of himself maybe uh, believed that it was possible. Obviously he showed before the Tour that he was uh, ready and by winning the stage in, in Tour of Belgium he also showed that he could sprinter among the best riders. I think it's a truly a dream that uh, he won today. Early in the year, I wouldn't think it was possible, really. Uh, I didn't think Mark had that level. Again, seeing him in Tour of Pelgium, I got confident, and and uh, yeah, you have to say he was the perfect substitute for, for Sam. Michael, how do you, um, you've let out so many different sprinters
2: now to success, do you Change what you do according to the sprinter, and what's it like working with Mark compared to some of the others?
7: Well, it's uh, it, it, it's different personalities uh, uh, with the guys that I work with. So obviously you have to adapt a little bit, also in terms of, of of how nervous guys are and how you need to keep them calm, and and how to how I have to show my body language. But uh, in the end of the day, I have to bring them in a position from where they can win a sprint, and and that's pretty similar. We have a good understanding for each other, and. Uh, also, Mark, he, he showed me a lot of confidence uh, by staying with my wheel in my wheel, and, and th- that's how I can make people win. We really lost position around three k's to go. We were so far back, um, so at that point, I have to, uh, I, I had to spend all my energy to to bring him up uh, towards the front. And then I knew that I, I wouldn't have legs to, to open the sprint for him. Uh, so I just searched uh, somebody who looked coming in with a good speed uh, and brought him there. And then he really showed his, his class by winning on, on, on from there. Stuyven so was there with, with uh, Mass Peterson and that's usually uh, a very strong uh, combination. I had success in the past by putting Sam on that wheel as well. Uh, I mean, it's always easy after and, and when you won, <laughs> I, it's easy to, to make it sound easy, but um, yeah. Uh, I just keep my eyes open and, 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 and use my experience and my knowledge. And uh, obviously, uh, Kev, had the legs to win.
8: Chute, chute à l'arrière du peloton.
7: Cycling podcast team car, the back of the pack, please.
2: That's the voice of Seb Piquet interrupting tonight's episode from the Tour de France to remind us to tell you that it is supported by stitch fix thanks very much to stitch fix for supporting this episode in our tour coverage and it's perfect timing to try stitch fix because we're all venturing out again but in clothes that are at least a year old I don't know if you've noticed, uh, because who's been clothes shopping in the last 18 months? No one. No one, and certainly not me. I'm not a big clothes shopper at the best of times, so I love Stitch Fix. When I tried it before I moved to France, when I lived in London, I received a box every month with uh, clothes selected for me. In fact, this this sweatshirt is a Stitch Fix sweatshirt. What do you think? I like it. Thank you. Um, Stitch Fix is an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love effortless. It's a completely different way to shop, it's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk/slash cycling to set up your profile and uh, you complete a sort of questionnaire saying what what you like. and build and sizes and so on. And they'll deliver great looks that are personalized just for you in your colors, styles, and to your budget. You pay a 10 pound styling fee for each fix, which is credit towards anything you keep. You can schedule delivery at any time. No subscription required. Shipping returns and exchanges are easy and free. Stitch Fix does the hard work for you, making great style effortless for men and women. So to get started at stitchfix.co.uk, slash cycling enter that website address and you'll get 20% off when you keep everything in your Stitch Fix. That's stitchfix.co.uk slash cycling for 20% off when you keep everything that's in your box. Stitchfix.co.uk slash cycling. Well, we heard before the break there from Tim De Klerk and Michael Morkov and, and Morkov was fascinating. Just the you know that he having had to make a, an effort, they were caught in a position a bit earlier, having to make an effort um, a bit earlier than he, he would have liked. He wasn't the man to give Cavendish a proper lead out today, so they had to use other teams. And you know, as you say, Kate, the the knowledge of uh, the Trek-Segafredo duo of um, Jasper Stuyven and Maz Pedersen being good wheels to follow um, proved invaluable and inspired and uh, Cavendish delivered the win but the other story of the day was Brent Van Moor the young rider on Lotto Soudal who came to everyone's attention at the Dauphine like I say one of the the things that caught people's attention at the time was De Ghent, Thomas De Ghent, sort of uh, conferring a blessing upon him De Ghent, the breakaway king of course king of the solo breakaway and I didn't know that De Ghent um so he is a sort of protégé of de Gent's and uh, I speak to, spoke to Thomas de Gent at the finish about Van Moor's near thing today.
9: Well, your teammate went very, very close there. Did you think he was going to hold on? Uh, we started to believe in it, yes. Ten kilometres to go, He's still at a little bit more than one minute and it did not go down that fast. So we started to believe in it. But you you'll also know that in the last three kilometres, the speed in the bunch is so high that they take back at least 30, 40 seconds. So, uh, yeah, it was really close. He made it until 200 meters to go. So that's that's a shame that he just didn't make it to the finish. But we, we've
2: seen before he's obviously inc- an incredibly
9: strong rider and not to
2: be underestimated by the bunch.
9: No, I think uh, in uh, Dauphiné already showed that he is very strong, that he can finish a uh, breakaway in this kind of way. And with a little bit more luck, he won a stage in Tireno and uh, Tour of Limburg. He is a strong rider and he will get this uh, chance again in this tour. is now very disappointed. Uh, we tried to uh, say to him that uh, the way he rode today, with these legs, then he for sure he can win a stage uh, later on in the Tour. You said he was the new Thomas again. Do you see similarities or are there differences as well? I went training with him uh, one of the first days here in the Tour. We think the same way about breakaways, how how to defend a a gap, how to maintain a gap and how to ride uh, in the defence while you're in the offensive. So He thinks the same way he is very strong, but he's also very smart, and he knows how to uh, how to ride in uh, the last 30 kilometers or, or the 100 kilometers before. It's not just pushing as hard as you can; you really have to be smart sometimes. And he is smart enough, so for sure he will win some big races. Well,
2: that was Thomas De Gendt talking about his teammate Brent van Moer, who he, he's sure will win a stage in this Tour de France. Um, great effort today, and I thought it was fascinating what he said about. The strategy being as important as as power, you know, because you watched him in the final ten kilometers, the way he rode it, he looked just a, like a very very strong rider, and he clearly is. But again. Spoke about you know what goes into producing that performance over the, the course yeah. of the whole stage. Uh, it's not just about having that power; it's about how you use it and how you conserve your energy over the course of the day.
3: Mm, my little disappointment was I mean we had a better story and as I said we had you know four fantastic days, but we saw at the Giro and we saw at the Dauphiné as well. And in recent races that and it was very promising that breakaways went all the way which you know is, uh, in the past you had the, always the 3-4 guys you know and they were caught in the last 10 Ks and it was kind of format that was getting boring and and we saw the Giro and at the Dauphiné this format kind of you know uh, you know blowing apart and uh, I, I was hoping in a way to, to see the trend continue at the Tour and so far, well it's, it's only before uh, important stages and tomorrow it be a time trial it won't happen but we I think
2: someone will win solo tomorrow. Yeah, Francois. <laughs> yeah,
3: hopefully. Yeah, but hopefully after hopefully after the time trial, we'll 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 get to see a successful breakaway because we all like you know guys bold guys who try try to 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 you know to upstage the uh, the. Uh, data and the probabilities so yeah well uh, you know but and we saw last year as well you know guys like Mark Urshie tried and tried again and maybe even more is is our new uh, you know new man to do that in this tour.
2: Perhaps Um, let's hear from another rider I spoke to this morning at the start Um, Fred Wright of bahrain victoria riding his first Tour de France. I interviewed him in one of his first professional races Kurn Brussels Kurn a couple of years ago and uh, I was struck by how green he was, you know, how he was almost surprised to find him at a professional race in a professional team kit. And I had that same sense speaking to him this morning. Um, they've lost their team leader, Jack Haig, so uh, sort of had to reboot and refocus, but he was in pretty good spirits this morning. It's a, a massive blow, because Jack Haig looked to be going really well.
10: Yeah, he was, you know, in the form, the best form he's ever been in, so I think it's yeah, it's a massive blow for us as a team but we've got to move on and try and pick up results elsewhere. I mean Wout and Peo are going really well as well, so we hopefully they'll be up there on the G C Because And yeah, Sony for the Sony's going really well. I mean we've still got a really strong team,
2: you know. It's, so I think we can can do something good. What's your role in the, like a, a day like today, for example? I mean, are, are you there to, to help Sonny in the finishes?
10: Yeah, help Sonny in the finishes and just try and keep everyone everyone safe. But that's just proving, it's proving quite difficult this, this tour. I didn't quite expect it to be this crazy, that's for sure.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, how, how crazy is it? I mean, uh, you know, compared to other races, is it really noticeably very different? I
10: think it's just that the final starts so much earlier than any other race I've been in. You know, you're fighting for position. You know, yesterday, for example, we were... I can't remember when the, the intermediate sprint was but from that point onwards it was a fight to the finish and that was maybe with like 70-80k to go and I've <laughs> definitely not been in a race like that I mean I guess the classics are similar but it's yeah it's,
2: it's definitely like, stressful like a, a classic everyday
10: sort of thing. yeah so that sort of thing but then it's more that you're in a just compact bunch you know with the, the it's not a kind of defining team riding it's about eight teams spread out across the road you know it's yeah it's
2: I've not done anything like it. That's for sure. And do you feel that sort of tension in, in the bunches? Are sort of feeling?
10: Yeah, it's almost like it switches. All of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, teams are coming to the front. This is this is when it's starting. You know, it's kind of you get closer and closer to people, and you kind of think, oh, maybe I don't have this gel because otherwise I'm going to lose my sp- lose my spot. Have you got any? Uh, finally, just any personal ambitions at this tour? It's kind of a cliche, but I'm just sort of taking it day by day and you know supporting the team where I can. I, I guess. Yeah, see, maybe see what happens in the later, later couple of weeks. You know, hopefully, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm,
0: you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm helping out and yeah, see what happens. <laughs> science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science.
2: Thank you very much indeed to Science and Sport for their support of the cycling podcast. If you want 25 percent off your, all your Science and Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and enter the code SISCP25. Kate, you'll have to do better than that. SISCP25 at scienceandsport.com for 25% off everything. If you would like to enter our competition in conjunction with Science and Sport, go to thecyclingpodcast.com and predict the winner of Sunday Stage to Teen, and you can win £80 worth of Science and Sport. Goodies. So listen, we were still talking about uh, the crashes uh, yesterday, certainly at the start this morning there was a lot of discussion about what form, if any, the riders' protests would take. Um, And Francois, you spoke to Cédric Vasseur, who runs Cofidis and used to be the head of the CPA.
3: So, Cédric Vasseur, as a former head of the CPA, I I guess you've
8: been involved in talks about security in the past. Uh, what, What do you think can be done now? Well, it's it's difficult. You know, we are every year talking about the same things. Of course, now the roads. When we when we decide the roads, we don't do it because uh, the Tour de France is passing through, or because a cycling race is passing through. What, what is now in the air is to try to ask uh, the drivers of a car to go slow. So this is troubles for the for the riders. We know that the speeds is getting higher and higher, especially at the beginning of the Tour de France, where All the teams want the leader to don't lose time, where they all have a sprinter, they want to put him in the first-hand position. So I think uh, what happened the last uh, three days, push, I I mean, the cycling family to talk, to talk again and to try to find a solution, especially for a start of a big race like the Tour de France. After five, six days, the people start to be tired, they take less risk, but of course, the first three days, it's really high intensity. So maybe in the future, we have to put in, in the paper that if you want to, to welcome a Grand Tour, uh, the start of a Grand Tour, you need maybe to have a time trial of 10 kilometers. Why not? You, have, you need the last uh, 10 kilometers to be more on a straight road without tricky uh, troubles. But I am fully also confident that ISO will try to, to do the best because what happened yesterday is not good for all the cycling family.
3: The problem is if you have a big time trial in, on the first day, you, you don't have an exciting, you know, three exciting days like like we had. You, you have a you know, the, the GC set from day one, and it could be a problem.
8: Yes, and this is exactly the deal be- between a boring and safety stage. Of course, maybe no no crash in a 10 kilometer CT, but no interest. And uh, stages like we had a few days ago, that it's more exciting. And unfortunately. And it's sad to, to, to look that uh, already 10 riders are almost at home after four stages. So, in fact, we are not on a full ball ground like, uh, like a soccer. We, we have to deal with the situation. We have to maybe ask the riders to be also more focused. Maybe we have to say, OK, in this particularly difficult stage, instead of blocking the time at 3K, we do it at five. Why not? It's just, I mean, it will not change a lot, but it's the symbolic. The symbolic is always important. Do you think you, 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 you can act on the equipment as well? Do you think the, the bikes are less safe than they were in the past? The bikes are faster. The bikes are faster. And you know as well as me that if you are having a faster bike, like a faster car, you are most you are, you are most supposed to go for a crash. If you put uh, uh, a very high speed uh, Formula One uh, car in the hands of a non non-specialist uh, person then it's difficult and in the tour de france we are having different categories of riders of course we are having them uh, used to the classics like philippe gilbert greg van avermaat and those guys they are more agile on the bikes and unfortunately there's also climbers who are less agile at 65 80k an hour on the descent and this is the mixed of uh, those two diffi- two categories which are which are a trouble. If you put all the Tour de France field in the start of the Tour de France, for sure we would have been less uh, crashes. This is something we have to deal. Also, the riders, maybe in the past, they were doing more uh, cyclocross, track, uh, more used to. And now, uh, it's it's maybe less in the Yabit. We are focused on the road. Mathieu van der Boel, he didn't crash the first three days.
2: That was Cédric Vasseur. Uh, we're making some interesting points there, I thought, about the business of safety and bikes and uh, how, how fast bikes are now and, and and riders skills as well and that's a point that was touched upon by Mitch Docker who will of course be joining us he'll become part of our team in week three and um, we've got Kate this week we've got Lionel next week and we've got Mitch in week three and Mitch has been uh tuning into the podcast obviously doing his prep and he got in touch today because he felt there was one thing when we talked about the crashes and the causes of the crashes, there was one thing that has, that he's been thinking about that we didn't mention. So
11: here's what Mitch had to say. G'day mate. What I wanted to say was, I think there's one element as well that you guys didn't touch on is that the Peloton is changing and what I mean by that is, what you, well, the feeling I used to have is that people became in the Peloton because they were winners. And the way they were winners, I'm generalizing here, is that they learn how to race as a junior. And you worked your way up the ranks. And yes, you had good data, but it wasn't all about data. If you could win a race and have shit data, that didn't matter. No one knew about the data. You just won a race. You learned race skills. You learned race craft. You learned how to win. And when you became in the World Tour, you knew how to race. You learned your skill. You learned your trade what i think has been happening over the years is now people with the access to data srm strava whatever it might be internet the access that people are finding out these engines and you know primus rogulich you might he has been in the peloton since 2013 so he's been there a while but he didn't grow up as a cyclist i think that's a big element of it he's just one rider is that? When you grow up as a cyclist, you learn how to race this race craft, this skill as a junior, as it becomes part of you. You understand how to race. When you put a whole bunch together now of, I don't know what the percentage is, but let's say 50% of guys who haven't raced as much as the other 50%, and it starts to get sketchy, and guys are certainly strong enough. That's not the case, but have they got the race craft? Have we, a lot of guys now have got the the power to be in the peloton, but they don't necessarily have the skill. That's my feeling that's changed over the years that the racing's got faster, the stress in the radio, all that stuff you touched on. But then to back all that up, is the riders don't have enough skill to handle all that. That was, I think, the missing element. I was just looking at it going, it wasn't overly dangerous, like, you know, it was pointed out that. This still needs to remain in racing. This is part of racing. This is part of it. But what needs to happen, well, what needs to happen is that these guys need to regain the, you know, the. it's underestimated the, the race craft, I think. It's more like, have we got the engine? Have they got the power? Okay, well, he'll learn how to race once he comes in the world tour. And now we're seeing the results of that.
2: Well, that was Mitch Docker. Really interesting stuff from Mitch. And, you know, I don't think we're... I think we're, the only thing that we're clear on is that there's lots of factors that go into the crashes. Certainly road safety and safe courses is, is one of them and a very important part part of it. We're looking ahead to the time trial tomorrow. You know, big test, 27 kilometre long, rolling time trial. We'll hear from Julian Alaphilippe in a moment his thoughts about that. He won, of course, a very similar time trial in pole, couple of years ago, um, and I guess one of the real interesting, intriguing things about tomorrow will be how will the injured riders go, especially Garrett Thomas and Primoz Roglic. They both crashed yesterday. There are parallels, I think, with for Garrett Thomas with the Giro d'Italia in 2017 when he collided with, a, well, he's part of a group of riders that hit a motorbike on a stage, and then a couple of, a day later, there was a time trial. And, um, and he was actually second in that time trial to Tom Dumoulin, which suggested he was OK. It was, a, it was a similar injury, a shoulder injury at the time. But he just, his his health and his condition declined over the next few days. And he struggled in particular on climbs. So tomorrow might be interesting, but it might not tell us the full story about exactly how Geraint Thomas is. And he did say after the stage today that he was in a lot of pain. Primoz Roglic I've got a Roglic correspondent here. Um, How was he looking today, Kate? He posted a picture of himself. He he looked bandaged up but in good spirits. Um, But, you know, we saw him at the start today, bandaged up. What are your impressions? We heard from Richard Pluga, the team boss there as well.
5: Uh, Honestly, he looked rough. That's my impression. Not... uh he was, he was all smiles on Instagram, but he really wasn't all smiles at the start of the race. Uh, he didn't stop for press. He really just wanted to get on with it, I think. And he said in a message uh, at the end of the stage uh, that I can read on, tele, uh, from, on the Team Yumbo Visma telegram, He says, it was a really difficult day for me today. We have managed to get through the stage, and that was our main goal. And now we can take it day by day again, and we'll see how it goes. I don't have any expectations for tomorrow, considering today I'm satisfied that I've managed to get to the finish. Let's say that I'm happy that I'm still at the race, and I will be happy with every kilometer on the bike, and I will definitely give my best, and we'll see at the end where this will get me. I can't tell if he's trying to take the pressure off of himself, or he's really just... Like he says, just taking it day by day, trying to see how it goes.
2: Well, Richard Plug, his team boss, interestingly, um, said, certainly seemed to be taking a similar line because he said this morning that they expected Roglic to lose a minute and a half to Pogacar anyway, despite, even before the crash, because Pogachar is the best time trialist in the world, he said, and he won the time trial last year, he beat Damula, etc. I thought that was. Um, a bit far-fetched, and it, it was just allowing them to be able to say after the time trial that they were pleased that Roglic was at the distance he was behind Pogacar, If that's what happens, I, I don't know. It seemed to be yeah taking pressure off, putting but but also trying to put a bit of pressure on Pogachar
3: I'm not saying this because I'm French and bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but beware of the Swiss <laughs> yeah. They can always, you know, uh, produce an, an upset as we saw Stefan Kung. Stefan oh, Kuhn yeah and Bissigar. Bissiger.
2: That you were tipping Bissegar which is a good good shout, yeah, definitely. Um but in terms of yellow jersey, um Ala Philippe and Wout Van Art look perfectly placed. Um Van Art um you know is is there and I would say is probably the favourite for the time mm. trial, I think. Um, he'd be my favourite, but Ala Philippe as well. If he's in the type of form he was in twenty nineteen, then he's a, a good shot. And this is what he had to say this morning about the time trial.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward. Uh, I hope I will have uh, good legs today after the stage. Uh, I will do a recon with uh, the team car, and also tomorrow morning. So yes, I think for this moment I'm on a, a good situation and. Uh, uh, I just hope I will have good legs to, to do a good time trial. To hear about uh, the parkour, yes, it's a, it's a good time trial and uh, I'm second on GC, so I will, uh, I will give everything. We all
3: remember Poe, uh, Julien, and we, we all remember Poe and, and we know you know, your skills as a time trialist, so of course tomorrow could be a big day.
1: Yeah, of course, it's a big day. Uh, like I said, uh, for me, the, the first week of the tour, it's uh, really important. I'm already so happy to to win the stage, I was on yellow and uh, now second on GC before the time trial so I hope today it will be a safe day without uh, crash and everything and uh, yeah, yesterday or tomorrow I will will do everything I can and uh, yeah, I'm motivated.
3: A lot of favourites like Primoz crashed, do you think it will have an impact on tomorrow's time trial?
1: I know it's never good to crash. Uh, I'm sorry for them because it's, uh, it's really a day like yesterday. It's really shit and uh, so much crash, so much tension and uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's still a big uh, favorite and uh, I wish him uh, all the best for, for tomorrow.
2: Well, that was Julian Alaphilippe on the time trial. What's the culture for us today,
3: Francois? Um, what's the word of the day for tomorrow? It's it's French well It's French naive, but which is very easily understandable in English, I suppose. Because I mean, the feminine of naive is naive, and that's uh, that's a word that's the same in in English. Well, why naive? Because we're we're in Laval, and um, and Laval is the um, the town of the uh, Henri Rousseau, called the the, 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 the Douanier Rousseau. We call him in French the customs officer of of Laval. I mean the Douanier Rousseau. And the, the, the funny thing about the, the about Henri Rousseau is that that is his hometown of Laval when he was uh, when he lived you know they didn't consider him uh, anything. I mean, it was r- really rubbish, you know, and he even, even had money problems at the time, and he asked the mayor of Laval of the time, uh, could you buy a, a, a picture, you know, a painting I I, I made and, and and the mayor said, oh no, no, this is absolute crap and I'm not buying this. Now that painting is at the uh, MoMA in New York, and, and I mean, I <laughs> I don't know what price it is, but it's, it's, it's you know, uh, well, over the moon, but anyway, um, Rousseau was one of the pioneers of that movement of uh, you know art called naive paintings and everything because they they were not following you know the academic uh, way of paintings and these guys were usually self-made painters so and these days of course the, this form of art has become especially in the 20th and 21st century now uh, almost the basis of what uh, uh, artists today so we're in Laval a small you know little french town and that that's where this movement in a way uh was born so naïve I, I don't know if so uh, in terms of slack cycling we, we we can say from time to time, some riders may be a little bit naive. Maybe Van Moor today was a little bit naive to believe. <laughs> oh, <or> harsh. <laughs> to harsh. believe it could go all the way. But I, I like naivety. I think that's a good uh, approach to everything. And and uh, if we had more naive riders like uh, Brent Van Moor, it would make for a, a more exciting race. You're absolutely right. Um, and you were creating
2: some art today, Kate. Weren't you in the press room?
5: Yeah, that's true. I. Did a drawing of Mark Hershey uh, from the crash from stage one that was based on a, a photograph that I saw on Twitter uh, where he's nestled among the brambles, holding his shoulder in a very Renaissance looking way. But it was, it felt like a really intimate kind of photo because he's looking off to the side. Like it's, it's kind of a sad picture, but it's also kind of, he kind of has this weird, serene expression on his face. And I don't know, it's one of those things where you, it's like, oh, I have to draw that. So I, I did.
2: And it's very good he looks kind of at peace yeah and uh, you've captured that very well and uh, you'll find that well anyone can find that um, drawing on your Twitter feed I think it's on your Twitter feed isn't it what's your Twitter address
5: McMansion Hell still yeah
2: McMansion Hell you can probably have to change that to cycling lose all those architecture <laughs> followers oh, yeah. what's the Venn diagram of architecture criticism and cycling Fandom.
5: It's a I think there's a decent overlap actually. I know actually the pe- the few people I know in Chicago who are into pro cycling, most of them are architects, actually. It makes sense. It's a it's kind of, I mean half of cycling is architecture anyways. I mean we're surrounded by castles and beautiful buildings all the time. It's uh, definitely a, a sport at that scale. Yeah. We
2: are going to ask you to pick out a, a building of the day, but we just don't have time to fit everything into the episodes. Um, I should mention that you're also writing for Pro Cycling Magazine, um, if anybody wants to read uh, Kate's fantastic writing, and also uh, you're writing your newsletter. Later in the week, we'll have uh, episode one of your audio diaries, too. Episode, the Comet to Zero uh, tomorrow, because Kate's audio diaries will feature in the Climb to Zero series, tomorrow's episode is the um first installment of the rider diaries that's tim de Klerk, ben o'connor connor swift and victor campenarts today's episode was tour de france fam and that was all about the, the last La Course and next year's first Tour de France fam are we going to go for dinner now Francois this looks like a very nice place so yeah, yeah I
3: think it's, it'll be alright I don't know if that will be cheese because I I have to do the cheese of the day but oh, yeah. there's actually a, a, a cheese from near Fougere called Fromage de Chevre des Fossés La Chevre des Fossés is a, is a, a Broughton breed and so well as, as we saw as we were in Brittany I mean you know goat cheese is, is the thing in Brittany I, I take this opportunity Opportunity to 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 mention a, a couple of other. Cheese that you know better, like camembert, Livaro, and pont l'évêque because we're, we're we're it's the closest. Will be in on the Tour of front to Normandy, which is really one of the strongholds of uh, uh, of creamy cheese in France. And uh, so so I mean here we are in Laval, but I mean being in Laval of, of Fougere, we we're not too far away from from the, this uh, you know kind of homeland of, of camembert, and, and maybe if we go for cheese tonight instead of uh, of, of a goat cheese for for one night. We must try to go back to Couches and and, and Camembert and Livaro or pont A curious fact today, quickly, uh, kilometer 67, we we, we came by a a castle in Chateau-Giron. Do you know the name of the guy who built the castle in the 11th century? His name was Anquetil oddly enough right and 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 we finished by the song of the day that there was a there were lots of french singers in the 1970s they that were Kind of uh, uh, would be Crosby, Stills, uh, or Nash uh, type of folk singers, you know, uh, kind of Bob Dylan complex, and um, well, so most of them, you know, singer-songwriters. Not righteous. Crosby,
2: Stills, Nash,
3: and Young. Yeah, well, but I didn't mention Young because he's much better than the guy I'm g- going <laughs> to talk about. But n- never mind. When
2: you say I think of filling us Grenadiers. <laughs> the <way> the <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: that's right. Yeah. Well, this this guy who was born in, in Fougères called Nicolas Perak, he, he, he was, the, you know, sing, typical a singer-songwriter with only his guitar and his voice and, and and he sang well his big hit I mean this guy so this guy from fujia he had a big hit in 1975 called a, a very French song called So Far Away From L.A. And it went, you'll understand all the words for once, it went, so far away from L.A., so long ago from Frisco, I'm no one but a shadow, but a shadow, but a shadow
2: there you are (laughs) I mean if people can see the the looks on Kate's and I's face we sort of encourage Francois don't we Kate with our facial expressions urging him on
5: it's always good to support people who sing singing is an act of courage and it's an act of joy and should be celebrated at all costs
2: fine words what a a note to end on Uh, thank you very much Kate thank you thank you Francois merci